Welcome to a Blue Collar Special. My name is Samuel. And my name is Aaron. And today we have a special guest joining us today. Um, a production maestro, songwriter extraordinaire, all-around great musician, the incomparable one and only Aaron Sprinkle. What's up, guys? Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So to kind of just kick us off here, um, I'm sure many people probably know your name, but would you mind uh, refreshing everyone's memory for why they know your name? What is it uh, they might be familiar with with you? Um, yeah, well, I have had a fairly long uh, career in the music industry in uh, various roles. Um, I think, weirdly, there's probably more people who know me as a producer than anything. Uh, you know, a record producer for um, bands and stuff. And then, but my career started um, in a band called Poor Old Lou in the 90s. Um, and And I've done, you know, I had a couple other bands and I do solo records and stuff like that. And they might also know me because they just don't like me. <laughs> why wouldn't they like you? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to think of all the reasons why someone might know who I am. Okay. Um, well, yes. Um, for s some other projects you have, um, um, Rose, um, Rose Boston Punch, which is one of my favorites. When I went to basic training so many years ago, it was one of the four albums I took with me to basic training. A long oh, start. wow. Americana album. So, That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> and then your solo music also, your solo career has been more impactful to me than Poralu. Sorry, Poralu, guys. But next question. Of all your musical projects, including your solo career, what was the most satisfying to you and why? Um, gosh, that is a really, I saw that question and I, I try to just glance over questions because I don't like to think about them too much. Um, so I didn't really come prepared, but that's a tough question. Um, but if I, I think if I had to pick one, it would be my solo stuff. Um, but that, I mean, that might, the answer probably would be different at different times in my life. Um, I mean, fair was just some of the best time of my life as far as making music. You know, there's a thing uh, as an artist where you're always thinking like, okay, this next record, I'm going to finally make that record that I have always wanted to make. It's going to be, it's going to hit that bar that I've been holding myself to that I've never quite achieved. And um with fair i at the time i really felt like that was the closest thing that i'd ever gotten to but you know when i when we did the ephemere rose blossom punch record i felt the same way um i think because the the main expression of music that i've been doing for the last about 10 years now has been my solo stuff i think that's probably why but i do have a sense of um just sort of unbridled freedom with my solo work where I can kind of do whatever I want and whatever's kind of in me at the moment. And uh, so that's, 
that can be really gratifying. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're if what you're making, you don't feel like is your best. What's the point of making it right? Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> now, with a career spanning um, at almost 30 years at this point yeah. and having uh, been in so many different bands, um, I love those fair projects, great albums and having uh, produced so many bands, like your Wikipedia page reads like a tooth and nail discography page. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So what um, keeps inspiring you to keep making such creative music and keep pouring into other artists and still have enough info and energy left to make your own stuff? And what keeps you going for all that? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, there's a couple things, but they all they all really kind of stem from really early experiences I had with music as a child. Um, those, you know, seminal moments of like the first time you heard music that made you feel a way that you didn't even know existed. You know, you didn't know you could feel that way. And um, I had a... F- I, you know, I've had a lot of moments like that over my lifetime, but the, you know, the, the ones early on that, you know, even as young as like third, fourth grade, I remember hearing music that just sort of shook me to the core. And, um, I'm, I re I've realized in the last few years in hindsight that I've, I've just kind of been chasing that feeling, you know, um, I'm trying to make music that might make me or other people feel that way. And um, so it's, it, it can kind of be addicting in a sense, because if you have a outlook on creativity that like anything is possible, there's, you know, this massive palette of options out there. And I also love like, truly deeply love a pretty ridiculous um spectrum of music types um so i have a lot to kind of pull from um but the other the other part of it the part of producing that i love so much is um the um the communal aspect of being a part of something bigger than yourself and simultaneously helping an artist or a group of artists um, realize their vision and learn from them. You know, just so I learned so much from every single person I ever worked with. Uh, so it's just really this endless well of creativity. I mean, it, it's not all awesome all the time. I mean, there were days when I you know, wished that I worked at Starbucks for sure. But um, it it's just, it never ceases to be exciting, um, ultimately. I mean, the, you know, I go through the regular dips and all that, but it really, even now, at you know, this many years later, like uh, the stuff I'm working on right now, I just get that same giddy childlike feeling from. Okay, cool. Um, so you mentioned went into it a little bit, but could you elaborate more? Like as a producer, 
what do you feel like your role is when you're producing an album? Well, I mean, ultimately, you know, again, in hindsight, after years of just sort of waking up and doing the next thing that was in front of me, I think the role is, you know, really varies depending on the artist's needs and the project's needs. But ultimately, you're advocating for the artist. You're advocating and facilitating um, their vision. Now, that, you know, if you look at the scope of the history of record producers, there are so many different approaches to this. My particular approach, you know, varied also depending on the artists I was working with, but I generally tend to be pretty um, heavy-handed with the actual technical side of it. I, um, you know, for years uh, engineered everything I did and even mixed a lot of the stuff I did. It wasn't until later on that I, when I had the budgets or the time or were working on these records that were so long where I was able to hire people to help me engineer and to have work with other mixers and stuff like that. But my role typically was to make sure that the what the artist wanted was getting put down but I also in the in the sense of the label thing you know I I also was brought in a lot of times not just by the label but by the artist to just to take what they to take the you know the if they felt like they had a wall that they hit with what they wanted to do on their own was for, you know my role was to help them elevate that to get over that wall and get it to where um, it needed to be. But, you know, the, the ins and outs, the actual, like, logistical details of that varied wildly. But, you know, I tried to get people's songs in shape, you know, if they were too long or too monotonous or they weren't quite hitting right to help that. And then, you know, just getting really believable authentic performances out of the artists um and then you know just trying to get them super stoked you know if they could feel just like so excited about what we were doing and like they just couldn't wait for people to hear it i mean that was like that's like the best feeling in the world that is cool um i remember listening to an interview with brandon evil and he was saying how if he had a, a band or artist he liked, he didn't care if they could play good. He's like, I can just hand them to Aaron Sprinkle and he'll make sure they play good. But <laughs> I just want to like them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, some records I made, I played more than some of the people in the band did on, on them. And then other records I did, I was really more, you know, like there's some records that come to mind, but like, I was just really there to make sure everybody got their idea, like whoever kind of was the visionary got it out, got it on, you know, got it tracked and it sounded how they wanted it. And then if I had some input, I would bring it in. And those, those records are really fun too. Cause I'm just, I'm almost like a fan, like a support, you know, kind of fan person, just helping something that I'm really excited about get made. And this kind of leads to the next question, actually. 
So of some of the projects you've been part of, um, either you've been part of the group or um, someone you produced, has there been any that you were super excited and you're like, these guys are surely going to be five times platinum and be the next U2? And it just didn't happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly, I would say all of the records that I thought, oh, this is it didn't do that <laughs> or, or 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 you know the records that i was really excited about and the ones that i still love the most to this day are some of the ones that didn't do anything but you know i think um of course like the one that comes to mind the most is acceptance phantoms like when we were making that record um I was, you know, it was my first full length for a major label that I had produced and, you know, the band is like my family and, you know, and I just felt like this is happening. This is special. Like this is, this is, you know, it's happening. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other story for a whole other day, but, <laughs> um, yeah, and then, you know, there's some other ones, too, that were maybe just wrong place, wrong time, you know? Uh, like, uh, you know, and I, I actually talk about these quite a bit, but uh, the uh, second Jonesetta record, um, which was the first one I worked on, is still one of my favorite things that I've ever worked on. It's some, one of those few things I can listen to as a fan, you know, uh, still to this day. And uh, and then, like, there's a few other ones, but yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's just how it happens. I remember even uh, the Capital Lights uh, record, I felt like that could have been a really, really big... I felt like they could have blown up and been a big deal. That's a good okay. record. Um, I like it a lot. Well, I've never heard of that acceptance album, so I'm going to have to check that out now. Um, you just have too much to keep up with, Aaron. It's your fault. So I'm going to take that question um, to why we're here, really, I guess. How did you and Jason Martin meet? Um, gosh, I was trying to think about that. Um, well, you know, Coral Lou and Starflyer were, you know, like peers, you know, at the time, you know, we were, it was about the same time that we were starting our careers and we played a lot of the same festivals and shows and we were fans of, you know, the silver record we listened to. I mean, we listened to it all the time in the, in the, in the van or whatever. Um, I don't, I honestly don't remember when I met him the first time, but I would assume it was at a show, a festival. That would be my guess. Um, but yeah, because I know we did play, like I said, play in a lot of the same circles. Um, and, you know, when we, when Poro Lou recorded our first album, we were in, we were in uh, Orange County in Huntington Beach at, at Gene Eugene's studio down there, which was kind of like where all, everything was happening at the time in the, uh, you know, whatever you want, alternative Christian music kind of explosion of the 
early 90s it was basically all happening out of that studio so um yeah i don't remember to be honest (laughs) you have been there that's i said i would love to have been there oh it was insane it was so crazy it was like when we were down there recording it was just like we were because you know uh terry taylor was producing and Derry was engineering and so that was just crazy for us in any way and then you know Hindalong came in and did some percussion and prayer chain were doing a record and they'd come in and out and uh mike knott would walk in and out all the time and i mean it was just like it was insane like everybody would i mean freaking one day we were sitting there and like randy stonehill showed up to like do he would rent one of the rooms in there and just write in it it was just bizarre it was the most bizarre weird like crossing of all these paths like (laughs) sounds like musical heaven (laughs) it was awesome yeah it was awesome and um it is kind of interesting that you guys started out in the same place but then kind of took separate paths um Mm -hmm. after um you left poor lou you kind of went into the production thing and went to a lot of more mainstream stuff whereas Jason Martin, at least from his discography, always kind of kept his close circle of uh, indie music friends right. and either produced albums himself or had people like Terry Taylor produce it, who was totally underground. Right. So how did we get into 2003 where um, he has you, a more mainstream guy, come in and help produce the record old? Yeah, well, yeah, that's funny because, I mean, I know – so Brandon, you know – is you know the biggest Starflyer fan probably ever and he you know was a big fan of me like that's why we worked together so much and I think it was sort of a dream of his for us to work together um and then you know it was funny because I was listening to old today for the first time in literally probably 10 years and um you know, it, it, it. What's funny about that record is it's just, it's just, it's the kind of music I actually listen to. Like uh, the stuff that I'm known for in that scene, in that tooth and nail scene, I don't listen to that music. I don't. I didn't. I only know about the bands I produced, <laughs> or the CDs they would bring in for me to reference. Like that was like not my scene, um, and. When I was listening to old today, I was realizing like I I actually like this record now even more than I did then. Like this is something I would totally listen to, like back then and now. Um when you get when you're in the middle of something and really close to it, it's harder to a little bit harder to have a fan perspective on it. But I mean, we can talk about that more later, but I remember, you know, thinking when I was even making that record how um just i was just part of something that i would have you know purchased you know i would have went out and bought it and been into it um but you know jason and i had you know run we we kind of knew we we knew each other a little bit and um and there was the bazan connection too so you know i you know i've known david since you know, I think he was 14 or something when we first met and or 16 or something. And I, you know, I worked on that control record with him. And I think that 
I'm speculating, but I think that probably gave Jason some confidence. But also, Jason and I had bonded over. You know, we have so many similar um, music, so much similar ta- musical taste as far as what we listened to growing up. Um, so we would always bond over that stuff too. So I think it was, I think it was a pretty natural thing for for us because we knew, you know, maybe from the outside, people are like, why is this guy that did Cutlass and Jeremy Camp doing Starflyer, you know, like that from the outside. But it really, if you knew me and knew who I was, you would be asking why was Aaron Sprinkle doing Jeremy Camp and Cutlass? Like, um, or really any of that other stuff that I did. <laughs> but yeah, so that's fair. But I stand by that first Jeremy Camp record. It's a good record. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I'm crazy. I'm not trying to diss anything that I worked on in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm I put my heart into everything I did. Um, it's just that that was the foreign stuff for me. Um, that was the stuff where I was like, oh, I guess I'll try. <laughs> and uh, I, did, yeah, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, that I don't really have anything else to say. It's funny. I had no idea that you worked on the Control album, and that's so funny because. Well, that's that's okay. That, but anyway, so um, going into our last question for you, um, what projects are you working on right now? Well, um, I am doing a. I'm making a new solo record. Um, I did like ninety nine percent of five songs last year, and I was sort of on the fence about like keeping it going into 2021 and i think i i think i decided to make it an ep and um and because this is going to be my first independently released project um kind of ever i mean my brother and i did a thing a few years ago that was i don't even really count it because we literally just put it on Bandcamp and then like posted on facebook about it that's all we did but um called blank books but so this is going to be my first attempt at sort of um, going out on my own, which is something I've always been really excited about. And I've been like really like so looking forward to it for so many years because I was in a I was in some form of a record and publishing deal from 1993 until about 2015 or no, sorry, 2017 <laughs> for that with no breaks whatsoever. Um so I couldn't release my music independently in that ginormous chunk of time. <laughs> it's like most of my life. So, but when I finally got here to doing it, I was like, oh, this is not, you know, just going to be super easy. So I think I'm going to kind of uh, limp in with an EP and kind of build up my, uh, you know, some momentum for a full length. But I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's different than my last uh, solo album real life was like, you know, virtually completely electronic record, which is something I'd been wanting to do for since I was a kid. But um, this is kind of taking a turn back to this has more of like a 90s vibe to it. It's my brother uh, playing drums. And then my friend Andy King played drums on a couple songs too. And, you know, it's just guitars and, and stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And then I've also, I've basically almost completely stepped away from producing records with artists. Um, 
I still do a few things here and there if I, you know, really am passionate about it. But I've been working as a um, composer and producer uh, for a uh, music licensing company in Nashville called Soundstripe for th over three years now. Um, and it's just been the most fun thing ever. I mean, I, I, you know, I love making records and studios with bands, but I did that for so long and I, I did it. I did hundreds of records, you know, and I got to a point where I was just kind of tired, like not tired of it so much, but like literally tired. <laughs> and so this opportunity came along and, um, you know, basically I, I had been also self-employed for my whole life, you know, just trying, you know, you know, it was up to me whether or not basically I got, you know, I, I was going to have work in a month. Um, I mean, I, that's not 100% true because during that about 10-year chunk where I was doing tons of records with Tooth & Nail, I mean, there was more. Brandon was throwing more work at me than I could handle. But I technically was self-employed that whole time. So this is actually my first kind of – honestly, it's like my second real job ever in my entire life. So – and it also is doing music. So it's really cool, awesome people. Um, I'm, I've just been churning out – a ridiculous amount of music and some projects that I'm like thoroughly proud of have come out of it. Um, a, a duo that I have with uh, a girl named Jesse Villa called Luna Wave is like this kind of alternative electronic pop stuff. I don't really know how to categorize it, but, and then I do another thing with this guy, Adrian Walther, who's like a genius and called Snowbones, where I sing and he does all the music and it's kind of like, we're similar aged and both kind of were really into Britpop in the 90s. So it's got this Britpop thing to it and uh, just tons of cool music and just really neat. A lot, it's tons of it streaming. Um, you can check out my uh, Instagram or my, my link tree has links to a ton of it. Um, and, you know, I announce things on there that I do. But yeah, pretty much that. I mean, the only record I've done in a while is the um, was the last acceptance record, so which is freaking awesome, and you should definitely listen to it. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That is super exciting. Um, I really loved Blank Books, so oh, cool. I'm excited to kind of hear a Blank Books side too. I'm from your soul stuff. <laughs> How are you able to do all this thing? I'm you just I'm exhausted. Just those. I'm like, how does he have time for all this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I've slowed down a lot. I mean, I'm old now, and I'm more. I don't know. I mean, I basically almost killed myself physically <laughs> when I was working back in the. You know, like you're still doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it doesn't feel quite the same, but yeah. But yeah, so we're we're really grateful for you coming on. We're grateful for you, all your music, the Moon Traveler album, the Ephemer, everything at Portalu. Just I mean, the albums you produced. It's just I'm mean, going forever. Just thank you for everything. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, no, I want to emphasize that um, my childhood basically is so much music you produce. So thank my, you. And thank you for taking time just to answer our questions. And it's just interesting that me and Sam were different 
like I think we're like 20 years almost in, in age mm-hmm. difference. But yet the one thing that holds us together is your, your music career. Yeah, so. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. This shows how old I am, I guess. We're all (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Aaron, well, we appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It was really fun. All right. For all those listening, um, go ahead and stay tuned. We're actually going to have another episode where we go through the old album track by track with Aaron Sprinkle. So stay tuned, and we'll talk to you guys later. My name is Samuel. I'm Aaron. And we have another Aaron. And (laughs) And we have another Aaron. And the other Aaron. (laughs) Bye. And this has been a Brothers King Media production.